welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, we are continuing our conversation today on the coronavirus, COVID-19, that has overtaken our country here, and we are currently... Uh, in Ohio, uh, under this whole stay-at-home uh, order where um, people are self-quarantining and all those things. So things are getting uh, increasing here in just terms of uh, the way that our country's responding to this virus. And uh, last time we had Pastor Matt Timmons on to talk through this a little bit. And Matt joins us again, along with uh, Pastor Dylan Rowland, who is the pastor of Covenant Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Mansfield. So Matt and Dylan, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks a lot, John. Thank you all very much for, for having me on. So Good good to have both of you guys on. Uh, we're talking about uh, the coronavirus, and we want to talk about this kind of from the perspective of, uh, of Scripture, obviously, um, and what the Bible has to say. Matt, I know that we've talked a little bit kind of just summarizing a few different passages, but um, we want to talk a little bit about one particular psalm, and that's Psalm 91, um, to, speaking of God as our fortress, and just want to ask the question uh, about whether or not Psalm 91 makes a promise that we're not going to get COVID-19 or that we're not going to get ill or sick or any of those kinds of things. Uh, I want to just maybe read a couple of verses from Psalm 91 <clears throat> that uh, that people would use in this context. So Psalm 91, uh, verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. And then going down to verse six, well, verse five, you will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness. Going down to verse 10, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague shall come near your tent. And of course, I've heard already Psalm 91 applied in the context of COVID-19 to suggest that uh, we're not going to get sick. So let's let's maybe look at this from two perspectives. What is Psalm 91 not saying with regard to this virus? And then what is what is Psalm 91 saying with regard to this virus? Uh, who wants to jump in first? Matt, by all means, go ahead, brother. Well, John, thanks for the opportunity. And uh, you're right. Uh, psalm 91 is the quintessential psalm when it comes to uh, how we are to to really consider getting through illness and disease. And as you point out, there are so many verses in there that speak to this uh, specifically. You know, there's a lot in Scripture that deals with pestilence and plague, uh, but this is the one that is really calling us to live by faith in the midst of those, mm-hmm. those illnesses and such. And to your question, uh, you know, Psalm 91 is not the... Um, you know, um, the the pill <laughs> that will uh, guarantee that you do not get sick at any time. It's not promising a, a health and wealth type mm-hmm. um, life before God. Uh, it it really is a psalm, though, that says in the midst of disease breaking out around us, uh, we can have 
faith in God that mm-hmm. he will protect us. You, know, you might say, uh, use the, the great word ordinarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, ordinarily, we will enjoy his protection from many of the tragedies that go on in this world. But it's not promising a you know a full shot never to become uh, sick. It, it's not promising any kind of immunity when it comes to life mm-hmm. in a sin-filled, sick, miserable world. Yeah, um, I, I would agree with that, and I think that's important for us to note uh, those distinctions that Matt was making. But I think in general, too, if you place Psalm ninety-one in the context of the Psalter as a whole. There are many, many, many psalms in which the psalmist is experiencing some hardship, some difficulty, Mm -hmm. and so uh, still concludes that the Lord is his protection and refuge. So Psalm 91 should be seen in the context, perhaps, of the whole Psalter, um, in which God's people do endure difficulty, do endure uh, endure struggle and strife, and uh, certainly this doesn't mean that we won't get the coronavirus, but also, too, if you put Psalm 91 and the Psalter in the context of the Scripture as a whole, mm-hmm. it's not uncommon. And, and in fact, very, very often, God's people endure strife, struggle, sickness, famine, whatever the case might be. Um, but still, the, uh, the the overriding theme is that God is a refuge to His people, mm-hmm. especially during those times. And uh, I think there's great confidence to be had there. Now, to, to answer your, your second part of the question, what is this psalm telling us, I think, um, at least this, that God is our refuge, that in those times of strife and difficulties, um, that He indeed will protect us uh, because He is our covenant God. And uh, whether that be uh, through the healing of, of disease, for example, or should even that disease take our life, we are still under the protective wings of a good and gracious God. I think uh, a couple of passages that reinforce what you're saying, because you're you're bringing out um, a, a crucial point of uh, uh, understanding Scripture, and that is we need to understand it within its context. Uh, I, I would suggest in in the Psalms we have Psalm 34 in verse 19. Uh, to your point, Dylan, many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And so it's not an absence of affliction. We're going to go through those things. Uh, I think Psalm 44 uh, in verse 22, uh, and this Paul actually quotes this in Romans 8, but in Psalm 44, we read, Yet for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. What Paul does with this verse in Romans 8 is he quotes it in the context of uh, Christians being martyred. And then he says, so he quotes that in Romans 8.36, and then in Romans 8.37, he says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So Paul is suggesting to us that we could be killed, we could be persecuted, we could be martyred, and yet we are still in that conquerors. And, And I think... When you have Psalm 91, for instance, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. God may deliver us through through death, right? I mean, he, he, may, mm-hmm. he may rescue us uh, not, not by preventing us from going through this, but by allowing us to go through this and testing our faith and then delivering us by putting us into his, his presence. Amen. And, and I think, too, if you see this um, in its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ, right, if, if anyone should have not gone through 
uh, suffering. It should have been him, and yet he did this, and yet it was through uh, his his death and ultimately the resurrection that the Father delivered him. And uh, so it's important perspective to keep the Lord Jesus in mind in all of this as well, as he is the perfect fulfillment and embodiment of what the psalmist is, is teaching. Yeah, that redemptive element is you know, very much a part of this passage as well. Uh, there's a sense in which, as we talked about last time, John, that, that you know, plague and sickness is often a, in the scriptures something that is used by God to bring judgment into this world. And you see something of this in the psalm that, that uh, these things are not coming near this person uh, because of God's protection. And, and the, that protection is a redemptive protection. It's mm-hmm. the, the few, first few verses there. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Uh, the, the word shelter in the ESV, uh, it's, it's translated differently in different versions. Uh, um, uh, secret place, I believe, is the way the, the King James mm-hmm. speaks of it. And it, it's kind of hinting at the Holy of Holies, the secret place where no one was allowed to enter. Mm-hmm. And the idea of uh, pa- part of the passage where he says he'll, he'll uh, cover you with his pinions, um, under his wings, you'll find refuge. That could very well be um, an expression of the mercy seat of God, uh, where you are under the the wings of the angels, uh, and God is uh, sitting above you, and God is expressing the mercy uh, that he would, looking down on the Ten Commandments there, the condemning law. And there's a sense in which this passage is pushing us towards a recognition that in the midst of the judgments that come along in this world, uh, God's people will be eternally safe and secure. Looking, and I think you're exactly right, looking to the ultimate deliverance, the ultimate redemptive aspect of, of this psalm. Um, I, I, I think maybe, and you guys can give me your, your, your input on this, I, I, think what, I think the way that we need to understand Psalm 91 is to understand it as saying, pestilence, disease, plague, destruction, none of this will come upon you apart from my purpose for your life. Um, Mm. Romans 8.28, all things work together for good, right? This is the hope of the Christian. It doesn't mean that we'll never go through trial, but it does mean that we'll never go through trial alone and any trials that we do go through are part of God's design for us. So I think Psalm 91 ha- is, has, has, a, has a qualification on it, if I can say it this way. And, and, and I, I want to explain this by looking at the way that Satan himself understood Psalm 91. And Satan actually quotes this psalm to Jesus. So if you guys go down to verse 11... Um, when Jesus is being tempted, right? Satan quotes Psalm 91 and he says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways on their hands. They will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Um, Jesus rejects this interpretation because Satan is interpreting Psalm 91 as if there were no qualifications. I mean, you're just, you're just totally going to be spared from any kind of difficulty, any kind of trial. And Jesus actually 
uh, if 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 Psalm ninety one has has no qualifications, then then what what about Jesus? And I think Dylan, you brought this up a minute ago. Jesus does die when he's young. Jesus is overtaken physically. Um, he he is you know pierced by the nails. Um, he he is destroyed physically, uh, and of course is resurrected. Um, but Satan is tempting Jesus to understand this psalm as having no qualifications, and Jesus says, no, that's not true. We're not to tempt the Lord, and he comes back and and basically says, we need to understand Psalm 91 with qualifications. We need to understand that Psalm 91 um, has uh, is not just an unconditional promise that you'll never experience difficulty, but that God will use the difficulty for his intentional purpose to accomplish his will. Yeah, I think you're exactly right that Jesus brings Scripture, uh, interprets Scripture with Scripture. Right. Uh, he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, he's, he's saying, hey, let's remember how to interpret Psalm 91. Let's not see this as an all-encompassing one-way street. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so he, he says, you know, um, <clears throat> I'm not going to jump off this tower uh, and and because I know that God works through ordinary means. God mm-hmm. it works that if you typically uh, you know, take a, a plunge off a, a cliff, uh, you will <clears throat> end up falling on your face and having terrible consequences. Uh, so if you're in a car, you obviously it's best just buckle your safety belt. Could God save you from a car wreck if you're not have your safety belt on? Sure, He could, but His ordinary means of working are are mm-hmm. through the safety precautions that are instilled in that car. Mm-hmm. And you know, as you know, bringing that to bear in the whole um, coronavirus, you know, uh, you could go out and start licking doorknobs, and you could say, you know, hey, God's gonna you know keep me, uh, but that would be putting your Lord, your God, to the test. Sure. I mean, it's 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 a good safety precaution to wash your hands and mm-hmm. and make sure that you're abiding by uh, the normal way that God operates in this world in regards to germs. Mm-hmm. God ordains not only the the end but the means too is what you're saying essentially, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah if I can add to that as well, um I, I think Jesus's response uh to to Satan at that point is really getting at the point of Psalm 91 and that Jesus was ultimately entrusting himself uh, to to the Father. Mm-hmm. And you see this, uh, the Apostle Peter brings this out, for example, in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, in verses 21 and 22. And of course, the context here is um, in light of persecution, but nevertheless, the application I think is still the same. But Apostle Peter says, uh, for to this uh, you have been called talking about, uh, you know, life, uh, potentially the Christian life of being persecuted and so forth, and to persevere. But for the, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Verse 23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And I think the point of that is is uh, what Psalm ninety one 
is ultimately getting at is that we are we entrust ourselves to the Lord, even if that means uh, that we we do suffer great difficulties. And in this case, in our context culturally, even if we do um, have to suffer through sickness, but we continue to entrust ourselves to the Lord. So, what does this mean for the person who does get sick? Um, how, how does someone who is going through suffering? How do they entrust themselves to the Lord? How do they find grace in the midst of all that? Yeah, that's that's a really important question, um, and that's one that perhaps we we all don't do well on at times. But I think I think a few things can be said. Um, for example, you know, in the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith and the Catechisms of of, of our church. Uh, there is a big emphasis placed on the ordinary means of God's grace. Through, so through the public reading and preaching of the word, proper administration, receiving of the sacraments and prayer, those things are the bread and butter of the Christian life. Um, and it's through the, the continued reading of the word, particularly hearing the preached word that God continues through the work of the Holy Spirit to apply the benefits of Christ's redemption to his people. That's the case through the sacraments of, of baptism, the Lord's Supper, and also through prayer. And if you look in the uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism, question and answers 31 through 38, uh, roughly, uh, you, you'll see all of these wonderful things uh, that God continues to apply graciously to the believer. But one question in particular says that we can have joy in the Holy Ghost, and we can persevere, and that is in light of the sufferings. So all of that is to say is that continue to pursue the reading of, of Scripture and prayer. Continue uh, to hear the Word of God preached, and if, if able, uh, to continue to receive the grace of God through the proper receiving of the sacraments, particularly the Lord's Supper uh, in this case. And I think that's one way that we can begin to entrust ourselves to God and to live faithfully in light of um, hardships and difficulties. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a component too, um, I, I think, in all of this as we go through these difficulties. Um, you know, where Psalm 139, for instance, David says he calls out to God to search him, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, there, there's there's a a sense in which these these trials that we experience and go through. They, they really reveal um, what we've been trusting on and where we've been, where our joy has been. I mean, if we truly are finding our joy and our satisfaction in Christ and we're, and we're going through and we're reading the word um, and we're, we're spending time in prayer and we're finding joy in Christ, there should be a relatively simple transition from uh, prosperity to, you know, hardship or whatever. Uh, I think if if we kind of came into this whole thing and hit a really big speed bump, you know, and just our whole lives were jostled all over the place and, you know, quick, where do I get toilet paper? Where do I get this? Where do I get that? You know, and we're panicking. It, it reveals where our trust is at. It reveals that our hearts have not been satisfied in Christ. And so I would suggest, um, along with what you're saying, Dylan, is we need to go this should be an opportunity for self-evaluation and going deeper in the word, not, not less time, uh, deeper in prayer and really asking ourselves, have I been finding my satisfaction in Christ? 
or have I been finding my satisfaction and sufficiency in myself and what I can provide? Um, I mean, what's our first reaction? Our first reaction to this is quick. I need to go to the store or whatever and, and stock up on supplies. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. I think it's prudent to, you know, provide for our families. Um, but oftentimes we can, we can become very distracted uh, from what's important. And I would suggest that we use trials as an opportunity to look into our own hearts and say, who is, who, who am I worshiping ultimately? Is it Christ or is it something else? <clears throat> yeah, you're really, your guys are really hitting it right on. I mean, you're getting at the, the, the first two verses of Psalm 91, you know, where it starts off by saying, he who dwells yeah. in the shelter of the most high. You know, the Hebrew word there for dwell is to sit. Mm. It is a, a person who is uh, cozying up and uh, finding his satisfaction in God. He is, he is desiring to be close to God. He is, he is not running around mm-hmm. here and you know, close to God, running away and, and back and forth, but he is sitting there. Uh, you know, the New Testament would call this abiding in Christ. Uh, it's, it's the person who says, um, you're my refuge. Uh, you're my fortress. You're my God in whom I trust. Um, and I like what Spurgeon mm-hmm. says, commentary on this you know there are some uh, some people even some christians some are more near to god some are dwelling in the shelter of the most high whereas others are yeah maybe they have faith but are, are they really sitting with god mm-hmm. and uh, the expression of someone who who experiences this great protection of the lord that is promised in this psalm it's for him who experiences true communion, his putting God first and uh, seeks him as his refuge. And uh, much of the world says, yeah, in my, my Walmart is my refuge, my fortress. sometimes. Yeah, right. Uh, instead of running to the grocery store to, to hoard and, and stockpile toilet paper, uh, this is the person who runs first to God. And says it's it's you that I need, it's you that I trust, and everything else will we'll let it, we'll let it go to the hell if it wants to. I have you. I appreciate Matt, you bringing us back to Psalm ninety one. I just glancing at the Psalm, uh, I I try to highlight attributes of God uh, in a certain color on my Bible, and I just all of the all of the uh, attributes in this Psalm just. Reinforce what you're saying. I mean, God is our shelter. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is faithful. He is the Almighty. He is shield. He is my buckler. He is my dwelling place. He is my refuge. Again and again, these attributes come out. And if Psalm 91 is doing anything, it is it is exhorting us to move closer to Christ, to move closer to the Lord, and to increase our dependency on Him. Amen. Well, I was I was going to um, add to that. Um, Psalm ninety one, I, I think, does this as well as, as as majority of the other psalms, if not all of them, in one sense, point us back to the first two psalms of the Psalter. Mm-hmm. And the first psalm, um, you know, the, the famous one that the righteous man meditates mm-hmm. on the law of God day and night, and in meditating on the law of God, he will be like a tree planted by streams of water. Um, and what's what's interesting there is uh, the blessed man 
is not just a man upon whom God's favor has come, but blessed here means something like happy or mm-hmm. prospering or sort of well-functioning. So if you think about the analogy of the tree, right, a tree which is planted by streams of water, when the famine comes, right, the roots are dug down deep into those living streams of water and it is able to bear fruit in its season. Well, so too is the man of Psalm 91 who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Uh, pointing us back to Psalm 1, part of, as, as, as Matt was saying, part of dwelling in the shelter of the Most High is also meditating upon his promises and what he has given in his word. But in doing so, we will actually prosper in times of famine, which is a great encouragement for the church and great encouragement for Christians to know that, that in God's mercy and providence, that in times like this, when our society seems to be uh, uh, in, in, in a great sense of fear and dread because of uncertainty, that actually God's people will prosper mm-hmm. and flourish, even should they, uh, for example, uh, c- come down with COVID-19. <laughs> uh, the point is, is that, that God's people, by meditating upon the law of God, entrusting themselves to him by dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, mm-hmm. will prosper like this tree planted by streams of water. Yeah. This, you going through Psalm 1 kind of reminds me of a little bit of a pet peeve that I have. And I, I'm hearing a lot of people right now uh, saying, you know, okay, we can't meet anymore at, at church, whatever, you know, now is now is your opportunity to be the church. And, and the what they mean by that is, okay, now kind of set aside the Bible, so to speak, and just go out and minister to people and serve people. And... Mm-hmm. There's the the reason that it's kind of a pet peeve of mine is because it, it seems, at least I think the way people are using it, it seems to downplay these Psalm one truths of having your delight in the law of the Lord. It's kind of like okay, just forget scripture and go serve people. And and I want to say that we should be doing both of those things. Um, mm-hmm. I I can't think off the top of my head where it is, but uh, I think it's Edwards. He has a little blurb where he's, he's being accused of, you know, why are you guys spending all this time in church? Uh, why don't you go out and, and you know, f- feed the poor and do this kind of stuff? And certainly we want to do those things, but sometimes I think the impulse in those be the church statements ha- have kind of a, a bad effect of just forget the law of the Lord. It's it's not a Psalm 1 kind of thing. Mm. And, and so my... My response is we we want to do both of those things. We do want, I mean, because James speaks of this, right? Um, you know, you're supposed to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And so we, we understand that. But I would just encourage uh, people listening that, you know, we, many of us probably have increased opportunities to minister to the physical needs of others, and we should take all of those opportunities but don't be satisfied in that as if I were somehow, th- that's it. Um, this should drive us to delight more in the law of the Lord, to meditate, like you're talking about in verse 2 of Psalm 1 here, um, and not to neglect that aspect of, of the Christian walk. And, and I think that's, and I think that's the, you know, one, one of the aspects of Psalm 91, uh, dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, and uh, the Lord being a refuge and a fortress entails that we are meditating. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one entailment of that, I think.
yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna add that uh, um, the Christian's number one duty, even before helping the poor and the sick, is dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. You know, the very first commandment of having no other gods, uh, having your heart's affections towards God. Um, being enamored with him so much that you do worship him and want to devote a whole day to the worship of him. Uh, that is the number one responsibility. Uh, yes, he calls us to many other things throughout the week and, and certainly acts of mercy on the Lord's day. But uh, you know, the psalm here says it's, it's because he loves me. The, the person in this psalm, his heart is directed towards God so much that, that, uh, you know whether he gets sick or not, it doesn't really matter uh, because he is he is enamored with the Lord. Yeah, and lest uh, anyone hear this and say, "Wow, John doesn't care about people," <laughs> yeah. um, we've been seeking opportunities to minister in our uh, community and have been in touch with um, our our local governing uh, officials here and trying to seek opportunities to do that and. Um, our, our, our region. We put out kind of a little infographic the other day, uh, just offering our community for help. We have some teachers uh, here that can help, especially with students right now at home. Um, and so we've uh, already had an opportunity to, to minister there, helping parent understand assignment um, and looking just for physical needs, picking up groceries, those kinds of things. So are there anything, anything that you guys have done particularly just maybe to make it a little bit practical? Um, opportunities that have come up, maybe people asking about spiritual things that haven't before, or just practical ways you're ministering to your community. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think um, one thing that this this has done is kind of force people to ask, uh, at least to some extent, to ask a very serious question. Mm-hmm. Um, about why these kinds of things happen, and fear has a has a, is a really good motivator for making people think about the divine and think about uh, things they don't normally think about. So it has produced several good conversations. I know for, for me and my elders, for example, we've talked to several different people um, about how to think about the coronavirus, how do we think about the threat. But more than that, our deacons um, have been very very active uh, in serving our people, um, but also. Uh, other people in the community, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate what they have done and how uh, how how good they have been uh, in answering these kinds of questions and needs. So it, it has produced some some things we don't normally get to sort of engage in. Good. Yeah, we haven't had any um, direct needs hit yet. Uh, we're just early in the process, but sure. we're recognizing that the shutdowns that happen. Um, you know, these are going to have an economic toll. Yeah. Uh, you're denominated uh, non-essential, um, yeah. which, by the way, I think is a terrible thing to <laughs> say in regards to to uh, people and their livelihood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <clears throat> commentary aside, um, I've put out there to people, you know, let us know if you need anything. We uh, we want to be able to serve. We uh, we want to uh, help tangible physical needs that that may arise as a result of being out of work. Thank you, Matt and Dylan, for joining us today on Crossview Radio. Uh, If you are in the Mansfield area, you can reach out to um, Dylan at mansfieldcopc.org. That's mansfieldcopc.org. 
org. And of course, uh, Matt in Ashland, you can reach out to him and find out more at hopewellashland.com. That is hopewellashland.com. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We normally meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA, but we are meeting online at crossvieworville.com slash live right now. That's crossvieworville.com slash live to find out more about Crossview Church. You can visit us online at crossvieworville.com.